Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Well, Mark, great to be with you on another episode of Informed Dissent. Chindobre. Yes, same to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got some great guests tonight, and I think it's a really interesting and compelling story and one that I'm actually involved with, and we'll talk more about that. And we've got um, Amanda Urane with us tonight. She is a former Kaiser RN, um, and she's involved in a lawsuit, and we have her attorneys. Her attorneys are from a firm called Watkins and Latofsky. We've got Dan Watkins and Mike Hamilton, two attorneys representing her, uh, to tell us a little bit more about the case. So, Amanda, welcome to Informed Dissent, and Dan and Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks guys for having us. We really look forward to being able to speak to everybody about what's going on. Amanda, tell us tell us your story. What happened? You were a nurse at Kaiser, and, and tell us what happened. I, I was. Um, I was, in the beginning, I was a very proud Kaiser nurse. I was so excited to get my job. I joined in 2019. Um, I joined with the intent, the reason why I was hired was to help start their NICU at one of the Kaiser facilities. I came from another highly reputable hospital with great education and um, knowledge on this topic, and they hired me on to help them open their NICU. NICU, of course, is the neonatal ICU. Yes, correct, for babies. So that was the intent. So started there 2019, and then the pandemic hit. as a baby nurse, it was quite interesting because, you know, they did send us to other units, but they tried to keep us in our baby world. Um, when COVID was going on, there was the talk of the vaccine. And, um, you know, at the time it was kind of maybe just like a suggestion, like, hey, this vaccine just came out. We suggest that you guys get it going to these COVID units. No big push or anything like that. Um, So, you know, we went on with our life as a nurse going to either the COVID unit or we were attending deliveries. Um, And then the mandate came, which was when everything started to get really messy, unfortunately. Um, I, during this time, had found out I was pregnant and I had filed my religious exemption already. And during this time of you need to get it, it was, there was so much harassment going on. Like you have five days to get it. You're going to go on unpaid leave. Then, oh no, just kidding. Now you have more time. We've extended it a month. Now you have five more days, get the vaccine or not. Um, So it was kind of this constant, like you need to get it. You need to get it. During the stress of all of this, um, I unfortunately had a miscarriage and, um, you know, my employer was actually very, very like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Here's time off and come back when you're ready. Came back to work and they were still asking for the vaccine to be given to me. 
Otherwise I was going to be terminated. And it was constant like, well, you're going to be terminated, Amanda. You're going to be terminated. What are you going to do? Did they offer you a testing op option in lieu of vaccination? So for a while they did. They said, hey, you know what? If As long as you get tested, you're fine. So I did that like it was my job. I tested twice a week. I went on Mondays and turned in my test. I went in on Wednesdays and turned in my test. So I would be covered for the full week. Even though if I was only working one day or not even working that week, you still had to go in and test. I did that like it was my job. Then they said, you know what, that's not good enough anymore. You either have to get it or you're going to be terminated. So um, sure enough, I was terminated because I refused to get it after my miscarriage. I had found out I was pregnant again. And I told my employer, like, hey, I'm pregnant. Um, I'm not going to get this. It's not aligned with my morals or my beliefs. And she said, okay. So right before Thanksgiving, they put me on unpaid leave. Um, so I went Thanksgiving, Christmas, into the new year. And then January of this year, they terminated me um, while I was four months pregnant. Wow. And... I have not looked back since. Are there other nurses that they granted a religious exemption for? Yes, there were actually quite a few on our unit. And that was, this is like where it was so heartbreaking to me because I love the people that I worked with. We were very close. Um, I would ask them, like, it was kind of like our, our talk, like, hey, like, did you get additional questions? Did you, did they accept your religious exemption? Did they accept your medical exemption? And they did. And that was the crazy part was that they accepted other people's. It was almost like they were just picking and choosing who they weren't, who they said, you do not meet our standard of religious exemption. Like, what oh. does that even mean? Yeah. So did they tell you why you were fired and not other people? They in in my termination letter, they stated that I did not meet their religious exemption standards. So now Kaiser is the arbiter of religious exemptions, apparently. Apparently, which is like, how, like, okay, how are you to say that my faith does not matter? Like, or that you, like, on our judgment day, you're going to be the one judging me? I don't think so. Like, it's God. It's like, that's who's going to be judging me. Right. And so, Amanda, you've now decided to file a lawsuit against Kaiser. I have. And it's something that I prayed about a lot because I always want to see the good in everybody. I have tried to look so hard at Kaiser and see the good in them and say, like, no, they want to help people. They want they want to help people. But what I have seen and have witnessed myself is they don't want to help us. And they have discriminated against me and so many other people, hundreds of people about our religion, and they've harassed us going in to work. And it's just, it's not on the right side of where I want to be. And there are other nurses that have joined this lawsuit. Yes, I believe there's hundreds of us. And is it just is it just nurses RNs or do you also have medical assistants that are that are part of this suit as well? I believe that there's there's medical assistants. It's there's a lot of people that were fired because I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure it went even all the way down to like housekeepers and, you know, people that were in a, like the accounting part of it and higher up. Like it, it was everybody. I know about this firsthand, both from patients that um, Kaiser refused to treat 
uh, with COVID and just sent them home uh, to a nurse that worked for me for almost a year, who was a 17-year veteran, actually a medical assistant, not a nurse, 17-year veteran at Kaiser, um, and was fired because she refused to be vaccinated. And one of the most courageous things I've seen is somebody who left Kaiser not knowing where they were going to be. And uh, I was lucky enough to have her come work for me uh, before she left and now lives in Texas. So this is going on and, and good for you. So we, we've got two of your attorneys that are representing you, Dan Watkins and Mike Hamilton. Um, Ham uh, Watkins and Latowski is the name of the firm. Dan, tell us a little bit about the lawsuit and why you chose to, uh, to take this on. The lawsuit is shaping up to have about 440 individuals that were employed by Kaiser and it's of all ranks um, uh, of employees. And we came across the problems at Kaiser as part of the overall mandate across healthcare industry. We got involved early on actually at a different hospital um, and through what I believe, and as I look back, it was clearly God just directing the path to bring me into line with some nurses at, at another hospital. And we worked with them to get religious exemptions in place. And that led to meeting some nurses on social media and then to some Kaiser nurses. And once we met, the nurses at Kaiser word spread like crazy. By then, in response to the mandate, they had a telegram up and there was all thousands of them talking. And we were able to jump in and help them present religious requests for religious exemptions. Uh, and the number was astonishing how many people were pushing back against this at Kaiser in particular. So we helped a lot of people prepare those and help them think through what the, their sincerely held convictions were, religious convictions. And they presented those um, exemption requests. And the thing about Kaiser and the way they handled it was just so uh, uniquely devious is they came out initially and accepted everybody's because I think they were surprised at how many people actually submitted these requests. And uh, they, they provisionally approved, whatever provisionally approved means, they provisionally approved everybody's exemption. Uh, after they had some time to step back and put into place a review process, they started sending out questions to everybody. Uh, misleading questions, questions that violate the law in terms of what they could ask and not ask uh, in, uh, as it relates to the personal beliefs. People responded. Kaiser sent out another set of questions to the same people. People responded. In some cases, up to four iterations of questions to try and trick these people to say something that they could use against them, get them to talk about science or politics or things like that. And after those iterations, then they came out and started uh, denying people's requests, indicating like they did with, with Amanda that they didn't have the qualifications of a sincerely held religious belief. And that was when we really needed to step in because some of the people that I know personally who are receiving these denials are some of the most God-fearing God-loving people in my life who love the Lord, they love the Bible and the Word of God, and they try to live that way, and they're all imperfect in need of grace, and they take that grace and they extend God's love. And they were told by Kaiser, an institution that is short on love in my evaluation, telling them that they don't have a belief, we had to step in. And uh, we organized 
440 people to stand up and say, we've had enough and this is what we believe in and Kaiser, you're wrong and here's why. And that's what the lawsuit's about. Excellent. And are you looking for more plaintiffs? We have a very short timeline. We haven't filed the lawsuit yet, but the press conference that you referenced earlier is on November 2nd and we need to file the complaint before then. So we are bringing on some new folks um, that have heard about things and, and they can reach out to us. Um, but we have a real short timeline, so they have to be quick to get in if they want to. And what would success in this lawsuit look like? Most of these cases, you know, when you file a case in California in particular, the idea is to get money. I mean, that's why you, you're, you're seeking redress for the most part. Uh, and of course, that's something we want for everybody here because they had their careers ripped out from under them. Uh, their livelihoods taken away. The stress of it all is through the roof. I mean, being told one day that you're okay and the next day after repeated questions, you're not. All the skills and everything you've committed to being a great practitioner, a great tech, a great administrator, whatever it was, they just trashed it and said no. So we want compensation for these folks for sure. That's definitely on the list. But what uh, these cases have become more about, I think in many of the hearts of, the, of our clients is, is recognition that religious liberty is important that respect for an individual sincerely held religious belief is something that this country was founded on. And deference to that belief, particularly in, in light of compelled medical procedures, is something we need to hold on to. And so bringing awareness to disregard, not only of Kaiser, but the medical industry in general in California and all many, many industries. I mean, we're representing teachers and people in schools. We're representing first responders and city employees all across the state. Uh, so many institutions have said, you know, we don't we don't care about religion in the face of this compelled medical procedure that the government says you must have that doesn't even work. Um, so bringing awareness to that and fighting back and creating a sense of revival, giving God a chance to be heard again, for us to speak out and to tell people what we believe in and shine light into darkness. I think that is something that we're really hoping for out of this lawsuit. The reality is, why should somebody even need a religious exemption? If they don't want to get a vaccination, why should they be forced to do so, regardless of what their belief is? What if somebody is an atheist and they don't want to get a vaccination? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, as long as it's based in some sincerely held belief system that governs your life across the board, you should be able to say no. And it does have to be that. And there is, you know, within Title Seven, and Michael could probably speak to this too, um, that you don't even have to have a religious belief. Morals and ethics can be the guide that you use to say no to compelled medical procedures like this, and it needs to be respected. And do all 440 employees that you're representing, were they all fired? Can't say that they all were, but they were either put on unpaid leave and sent out to just sit and wait, but technically fired, or and then they were officially terminated with a letter of termination. And what kind of compensation are you looking for for these employees? A couple different ways to look at it. There's economic loss. So we're looking at lost income, whatever their wages were that they lost over time, lost benefits in the form of PTO or medical insurance and medical expenses that came about as a result of that. For some people, they had to move out of state to find another job. So those types of expenses we're looking to recover. And then, of course, there's the, the non-economic side where... People experience the humiliation, the, the heartache, the anxiety, the depression, all the things that come along with having your career ripped out from under you. If somebody wants to get in touch with Watkins and Latowski, how would they go about doing that? So we have a website that's created called DeclareTruth.us. DeclareTruth.us. If you go into the upper right, it says Get Help tab. Hit that tab. There's the option for legal help rate mandate cases. Fill out that intake reference Kaiser. 
and it'll come into us and we can get you processed, but we got it's got to happen you know, pretty quick. By then. So we've got uh, Mike Hamilton also, who is an attorney representing uh, these employees. Mike, anything else to add that uh, Dan hasn't covered? Oh, that's a good question. Dan is always so thorough. Um, uh, Dan, you know, I, it actually, let me just uh, clarify, Jeff, that I'm an attorney in Kentucky and I'm a solo practitioner. And so I was involved in some of these cases separately from Dan around the country. I, I got involved in helping people with uh, religious exemptions. And then I got together with, uh, with a team of attorneys. Uh, we represented America's frontline doctors and others, and we filed against the mandates and, and tried to stop them from rolling it out to teenagers back when that was happening in a case that's still alive in the Northern District of Alabama. Um, at the time, I was working as the National Litigation Director for America's Frontline Doctors, and um, and so we fought mandates there. We sued the CDC, the WHO, the FDA, the DHHS. We sued um, Biden. We sued Fauci, and we and, and we we tried to um, get an emergency stop to the rollout of the vaccinations to the younger people, and we weren't successful in in getting that. But we're still fighting that fight. Um, I was very thankful to connect with Dan through a series of, I would say, just providential um, events and be able to step into this fight on behalf of Amanda and the other and the other folks. Um, Dan and I are fighting what we believe is, is God's fight against tyranny. I, I remember back in the beginning when they, well, I don't want to. I don't want to sidetrack. But but this question of you mentioned a question, Jeff, a few minutes ago. You said, "Don't people have a right to say no?" And the Supreme Court has ruled that people have an unassailable right to refuse medication. I realize this is not medication. It's not even a vaccine. It's a sort of a a genetic experiment, a gene therapy of some kind. Um, but but yeah, people have a right, even if they don't declare a religious exemption. People have a right to say, no, don't put that in my body. In fact, the right is so strong that in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the U.S. Supreme Court said bodily autonomy is so important that you can just kill a baby in the womb. And now we've got, on the strength of that kind of an argument, we've got Newsom saying mothers should be able to murder their babies 30 days after they're born. And, and and call that part of the abortion process, and it's th th those kind of things are just so insane. But but if if bodily integrity is that important, it certainly should be important enough to allow somebody to say no to a vaccine. And I, I can't remember is Kaiser only California? No, no, no they were in several states across the U.S. And is this suit a multi-state or is it only California? Only California. Okay. Yeah. And Kaiser and nurses and ancillary workers. Are, are there any physicians that are involved in this as well? We do have some physicians. It, it's unique because Kaiser actually employs their physicians right. as opposed to providing privileges like most hospitals and making them independent contractors. So for those the physicians that are employees that want in, we, we have some. Yeah, excellent. Well, it sounds like a uh, very, very important case. Um, and uh, I, I would think Kaiser is worried. And I imagine at some point they're going to try to settle and make this go away. Um, but I think it's, it's a critical case not just for Kaiser, but for employed physicians and nurses and ancillary workers across the entire country, and even the military for that matter, because uh, the military is really in a pickle right now as well. Um, you guys don't know this, but I'm a reserve for the United States Army, 
and um, I've filed an official religious exemption for the COVID-19 vaccine. And interestingly, I'm told that through chain of command, this ultimately goes to the Surgeon General's office where that decision is made. And my packet, as it were, is pending somewhere up in DC. And I'm kind of waiting to hear. We read all the time and hear about on the news about various service branches that are letting uh, soldiers go, firing them, relieving them of duty because they refuse to get vaccinated. And uh, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens as it relates to the Army. We're doing a little bit of work with some military members, and it is a different place there in terms of what they do to compel uh, this type of, of treatment. Uh, but uh, it'd be interesting to see how they resolve your request. So there's something that I've been thinking about as I'm listening to you both, uh, Daniel and Michael, and it, it strikes me that we're really moving from an authoritarian state to a totalitarian one, meaning that authoritarians tell you what you can't do. And the totalitarians tell you what you must do. You know, the Tasty Bakery case that just got settled in, not settled, but actually won in Bakersfield in Superior Court just uh, maybe a day or two ago regarding a baker who had a religious belief that prevented her from baking uh, same-sex marriage cakes was told she must bake the cake. And this is this, and I, I bring this up not because it's related to, to medicine, um, but because this type of totalitarian system is expanding across our country at every level, military, medicine, uh, cake bakers, that the moment that we're told not only what we can't do, but actually that we must do something, we've actually entered into a, what I would call a totalitarian state, a, a state of slavery, where it's not only that we're limited in what our rights are to, to move about, to speak, which are essential. Uh, freedom of speech says that we can speak whenever we want, uh, but there's a, there's a difference between being blocked from speaking and being compelled to speak. And I think the latter is actually worse. And, you know, what Amanda was forced to do is, is a sense of, it's, a, it's, it's a, a form of compelled behavior. So she was compelled to have a drug placed in her body, just like someone's compelled to speak. And, and I think what you're doing is critical because if we don't win these cases, if legal precedent gets set for compelled medicine, compelled speech, compelled labor, then we really don't have uh, any freedoms left whatsoever. I think that's exactly right. Um, Mark, I, I was involved some years ago through the ADF, Allies Defending Freedom. So, yeah, so we had a t-shirt company in Lexington, Kentucky that um, got an order. And in the order, they just say, we need like three colors and 15 characters and we'll provide our own logo. What's it going to cost? So they gave a, a, they, they gave a quote. But then they found out later that it was, um, it, was, it was for a gay pride march. And so it was a gay pride t-shirt. And they said, they called the people up and they said, look, we found another company that's willing to do this. Same price. It'll be done the same, just as quickly. But because of our religious beliefs, we, we can't in good conscience produce a product that says that being homosexual is something to be proud of. So the Human Rights Commission um, in Lexington said that they had violated the human rights of the people that wanted the t-shirts. And so we took up the litigation. And after extensive litigation, we were fortunate to get a really, really good order that went on for pages saying that, that business owners can can use their conscience in deciding what business to take and what business to not take. But it was exactly in the line of that wedding cake that, that there was a photographer in Utah that that said, what I do is art. And they said, no, what you do is you just snap pictures and it's not art and you have no choice but to go and 
and, and film a gay wedding and make it as beautiful as you can. And, uh, and, and again, forced speech. And I think you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's encroaching. And I think, I think a lot of Americans just don't realize they're, we're a little bit like frogs in a frying pan and we don't realize, um, how invasive this collectivist tyranny has become. Where's the line essentially? At what point, Michael, do we say no? If you're forced to produce, say, Amanda, you're required to uh, participate in an abortion tomorrow, and you say, no, I won't do that. Well, you're violating my rights. I'm, my civil rights are that I have a right, not only to a right to abortion, but I have the right to demand that Amanda perform it and assist in it. There's a very big difference, and I think that that distinction is being lost on a lot of Americans because they inherently feel compassion to minority groups, but there's a difference between feeling compassion for someone and stating that that person's rights are being denied because you are not uh, allowed to be forced to, to participate in their freedom to express themselves. And that's, it, may, it, it sounds intellectual, but I think it's not. It's actually very basic and very practical, and a lot of Americans don't get that. Yes, I agree. I, I can't even say it strongly enough. Ideas mean things. And Marxism, communism, collectivism has added more to the human misery in the world than any other idea structure. And ideas mean things. It's, it's, they're, they're intellectual until people start getting gunned down in the street because of what they think and say out loud. And that's what happens in every, every country in the world. I, I'm sorry, I have a philosophy degree and I, I had an emphasis in Marxism. <laughs> but every country in the world where these ideas, you know, Karl Marx has ever been tested out, communism, Marxism, collectivism, authoritarianism, totalitarianism, I mean, a rose by any other name is still a rose. And where these ideas get implemented, they, they level the playing field by by killing anybody who doesn't agree or disappearing them into the gulags. And that's, that's real. I was speaking in Austin, Texas uh, about this stuff and a lady stood up in the audience and she said she was an older lady and she had grown up in Moscow and she, she was crying and she was saying, you don't understand. This is what I saw when I was a child. What's happening in your country right now is what I grew up with as a child and I came here to escape it and it's happening again. She said, this is horrifying. And so, you know, Amanda, you weren't, you were not just a nurse working at Kaiser, but you also later became a patient. Um, tell us about yeah. that experience. Well, through my husband's insurance, we um, had Kaiser insurance. And so I just, I have to go back because it's like just eating me up when you're saying that you know, what they want you to do is what they want you to do. So I feel like what they have done to us as nurses is they are asking us to jump and then they want us to respond, how high? You want me to do this? Well, what, like, how high do you need me to jump so that I can keep my job? And um, what it has, what I've seen, like so many of my friends, which is heartbreaking, they, they had their arms twisted and they said, you know what, Kaiser is giving me my job or I lose my job, I lose my finances, my house, like my, my husband and I, we, we don't get overtime. How are we going to make up that money? So they're making you decide, are you going to get the vaccine to live or are you going to not get it and be punished for it? Because that is exactly what was happening is they're punishing you for not getting it. Um, so sorry, I had to make a comment on that because it's like they're asking us to jump and they want us to say how high and at some point you 
you just can't do it. It's you have to think about your morals and your ethics and if that's going to align with what they're asking you to do. Um, but on, on the patient side of it, um, it's mind blowing. I like I had I have I still have Kaiser, unfortunately, you know, um, it's just the way that it works out for us and our family. But when I was going through this whole religious exemption with Kaiser, um, during that process, I had found out that I was pregnant. And, um, you know, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, well, I don't know, uh, men, but when women find out that they're pregnant, they are instantly attached to their babies. And... I love that baby so much and through the stress of everything and the constant harassment of getting the vaccine or not getting it and getting fired, um, I unfortunately had a miscarriage and it was devastating. Um, and so then I had told my, like my manager knew, like they knew everything that was going on and they still didn't care. Um, so then I, went through my whole miscarriage process. And a few months later, I found out I was pregnant again. Um, I had requested for a medical exemption. And as a patient, they denied it. And I was thinking, wow, like, my baby matters. And I, I don't feel comfortable with this. But yet you still want me to inject something into my body where there is no evidence that this is even gonna work and what's the long-term effects on both mom and baby, you know, there's just so many questions that are left unanswered. And so I asked for one and they sent me to a centralized processing center and supposedly this, a person looked through my medical file and said, no, you don't, you don't meet our criteria. And I filed a complaint as a patient because that's medical discrimination. Like, how are you not going to say that my baby matters or that my beliefs as like a mom, you know, don't matter? And it was just, it, they, didn't, they didn't feel sorry. It wasn't like I asked to like, I wanted to talk to an OB. I want to, you know, I want more answers. And it was an absolute no. There was no way that I could get a medical exemption for my baby, for me. You know, that's so disturbing because I have seen a document from Pfizer, and I think we referenced it in our Northern Alabama case. But it was when they were doing some testing, and one of the guidelines they had was they said, if you're a man and you pass someone in the hallway who is recently vaccinated, okay? We're not talking about contact. We're not talking about sitting down and touching each other. If you pass someone in the hallway who is recently vaccinated and you have a pregnant wife at home, do not go home to your wife and report the incident immediately to your supervisor because they knew that just passing someone who had just been vaccinated might do enough to you through what is commonly called shedding. That's not the accurate term for it, but that if you went home and then laid down with your wife who is pregnant, the baby might be lost. They knew this. You know what? And I had heard that. And, you know, it sounds, it, to me, I thought that sounded so crazy that this quote unquote shedding could do that to someone. And I was, I, I'm 
I'm not trying to be like naive in these situations, but I try and think of the good in every situation. And so during that time, everybody was getting vaccinated because that was the mandate. So they were having clinics like, oh, go down and get your COVID vaccine like on your shift. Like that was how like you need to get it done right now, right now. And then I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is me, but maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it wasn't my body that was doing it. Maybe it was because I was around all these people that got vaccinated because their arm was turned and they had to, you know? So the lawsuit's going to be filed next week. We're ho- we're holding a press conference on November 2nd at uh, uh, Church 412 in Murrieta. I'll be part of that. Looking forward to it. And um, we wish you, you know, Godspeed in uh, saving these employees and bringing them important compensation and uh, showing everybody that an organization like Kaiser just can't get away with it. So, Dan, as we as we wrap this up, what's the take home message here that you want people to know about what you're doing as far as representing these 440 Kaiser employees? It's time to. Wear your religion, your spirituality, your belief in God, your faith on your sleeve. The days of keeping it to yourself and being quiet because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or because you're intolerant, whatever, those are over. And we have to fight the evil that has taken over the establishment in so many ways. An evil that, that does not concern itself with religion and wants religion out. We see it in the gender affirmation treatment philosophy, remove gender God's image from people. It's, it's an attack, and, and it goes to exactly what Dr. McDonald was saying about the collectivist mindset. Take, force people to act. We're going to compel them to act. It's time to step out and speak about God and your faith and bring it back to the forefront. Claim those liberties and privileges that we live under in the Constitution, but mostly bring God into this scheme again and get prayer going in your heart and in your mind and make that a part of your daily living we can correct this ship. And I, I, I really do believe that, that this case is about, it's the largest of the mandate cases that we have. It's the best opportunity that we have to make noise for God. And that's what it's about for me. If we can get God back in the front of the way we think and how we act each day, we can get rid of some of the totalitarian thinking and get people back to living independent of that government rule. And that's what I hope this can be a part of. And Dan, remind us again what the website is if... Uh people want to get involved you bet declaredtruth.us declaredtruth.us go to the get help tab and then there's a, a little screen that comes up and you hit that get legal help or get legal help or a mandate cases fill that out let us know your kaiser and we'll get right to you awesome well amanda good luck to you look forward to meeting you in person next week and dan and mike thank you so much for joining us on informed dissent thank, thank you. you thanks guys thank you. you've been listening to informed dissent with dr jeff barkey board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, informed dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.